I think my staff's getting tired of me quoting Marshawn Lynch, but like he still said it best. Like he's about that action, right? Like, like on purpose, no matter where the location of the pitch is, you crazy fool. Like I'm telling you right now, there is not one hitter on the planet. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Yeah, I don't know about that, but you know what? I'll save it for 12 months from now. We'll talk about it in 12 months. <laughs> yeah. that dugout we got Bo and Joe coming up next on the farm system right here right now fellas 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 and the ladies <laughs> welcome back to another episode of the farm unfiltered Bo here we are in the same are. place same I'm touching knees with my guy oh man you got the fresh cut yeah, sometimes. Here to my right. Yeah, even got the, even got the pup in the room. Why not? Let's got get, my nephew in here. Let's baby. get this getting crazy. Make it happen. Yeah. So here we are. So um, okay. So um, you know, we talked about this again as the as the as the conversations that we've had on on Twitter. Um, some interesting things had popped up, and so we wanted to kind of touch on some of those things. And uh, you yep. know, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, we'll edit in here <laughs> afterwards uh, the actual clip. Right. So uh, so we'll go ahead and and, and play that here now. They're competing against each other. Yeah, they're going all out trying to yeah. set up PR. Yeah. Every class. Yeah. That's ridiculous. All due respect. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But why is it so popular? Because people think that's right. Because why? Because when you watch a prime time or, or a fight, the guy's at the peak. He's, he's, going at the, he's at a point in his, in, his, in his training camp where he's at the high end of intensity. So people are always watching the last part of your camp, mm -hmm. the part where you're peaking. And then you're going to go taper off for 10, 15 days. They don't see that part and they don't see the months before where you ramped up to that level. They just see the last two, three weeks where it's the last few sparrings and we're mimicking fight speed to the maximum as we can. Yeah, We're flirting with danger here. We're only doing it a little bit, but that's the part everybody's watching. So they think, oh, if you want to become really good, you have to flirt with danger every day. If that's what their workouts are. If you see George train throughout the year, you'd be like, hey, that wasn't so intense. That wasn't so intense. There's another really mellow practice. I remember when I was younger, I was training at the Grand Brothers gym and I would see Otis Grant. You know, he's a world champion boxer. He's, everybody knew him in Canada. Like, he's the man. And he was training really relaxed. I was like, dude, I'm training harder than him. But he's the, that's his millionth workout. It was my 10th, you know? Mm -hmm. He's doing in the long run. He's added way more years of training. So that's when I started to understand that the champion, the best guy, he's training for the long run. It's far more intelligent. He's getting far more workouts in than me that's burned out and the next day I need a rest. Right. Yeah. So it's it's consistency over intensity. Intensity entails you need to take a break. There's just no way around it. So so um the so big things that you know we have going in uh right but what what were your kind of biggest takeaways from um his the talk there? I think the biggest thing and we'll dive into this obviously is that as an athlete and something that was hard for me is that we kind of pick our points of when we want to fully exert ourselves. We used to argue about that all the time that like just because I can go fast and just because I have this in the tank and the gas in the tank doesn't mean that I need to go pedal to the metal all the time. Um, that's the clip that the Jerogan clip we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway that from a high overview is just that we don't always need to be going so fast, especially when it comes to skill acquisition and actually understanding the movements that it's actually like slow and monotonous mm. and we need to focus on the actual movement work first. Um, in order to match that with kind of the engine that we have going. Yeah, no, and I, I think that it also, one of the big things that we were, uh, that I think is important to touch on here is that there's a lot of techniques of training depending on the desired outcome, right? Right. 
So he's coming from a perspective, and one thing we want to keep in mind is he's coming from a perspective of training an, uh, a UFC athlete and right. some and and more specifically someone that is skilled, uh, someone that is uh, is in a skilled sport where skilled and and coordination is so important within the skill, right? right. I mean within the sport. So the reason I'm emphasizing that is that. Let's say you ha- you were training for something different. Like let's say you were you were training for physical fitness, right? Right. And let's say that you know again for fi- just general physical fitness, you know you training two to three days a week, it could be fine for you, right? right? And that's that's all it's all good to go, right? For sure. For that person, the advice might be different, right? Yeah. I would assume it'd be very different. And again, I would even tell somebody some different advice if they're just going to have some general fitness. Right. Like they're going to say, Joey, like, listen, I don't have five days a week to go and train. Right. Well, you're right. You're not a professional athlete, right. right? And also too, you're not someone that's training to be a professional athlete or that's not your goal. Right. One of the things he talks about in the clip, and I don't think it was included there, um, was that um, like it's like someone that is trying to train uh, jujitsu, uh, mm-hmm. right? But um, jujitsu, but doing it part time, right. right? Like that person is never going to be an expert, right? right? Because they're doing it part time. Now, if you're not trying to be an expert, yeah, then there might be a different strategy. But he's sure. talking about someone again, specifically like players that were training, or if you're a player yourself, yeah, getting ready to train to again to be a professional athlete, right? Or be very uh, as an expert in skill or considered an expert in skill, right? right? So now again, let's, let's break that down of what that is again. Okay. If you make it past high school and play college, you considered an expert in that sport, right? When it comes to a skill acquisition based compared to the general public, yes, you are an expert in skill in that sport, right? right? You were, you've expertise in that sport. Yeah. Um, again, a lot of people play high school. When it comes to college, it's uh, the numbers drop drastically. For sure. Right. And and I would say it again from overall from the general public, you're obviously much more skilled, yeah. highly skilled, and you're and you've gone to the point where you're still an amateur and considered cer- certain things, but also to your uh, highly advanced amateur. For sure. Yeah. I think too with the video, the context of the avenue of training, because obviously a pro in golf is going to train differently than a pro in UFC. And one thing we like to do on the videos now is kind of like lump everything together in one package on social media for like clickbait stuff. Um, Fighting, which I don't have a ton of background in, I know you do it frequently, but the style of how we train there is big, especially taking it like amateur to pro, how that guy trains and his specialty is a lot different than when you go to Muay Thai. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to point out there is that sometimes we try to lump ourselves in with pros because mm-hmm. we're training to be a pro. Yeah. When in reality, we have no context of that guy's training environment and where he's at preparing for you know a title fight. Exactly, and that and that's the thing too is again uh, when it comes into professionals uh, sports. Someone pointed this out the other day of being like and and they're like I like to mention these as like half truths, right? right? Like there's things within a statement that are very truthful, but there's also a lot of misconceptions within the same statement. Right. And so one of the things that I I found on like uh, someone who was talking about on Twitter the other day was just talking about how, um, for example, that like, okay, you know, this is, you're watching a pro go through his routine. And again, almost like what he was referencing here about that guy's on his millionth rep and you're on your, no, your 
thousandth rep, sure. right? So again, obviously it makes different categories and where that's where, again, it was like truthful is like me understanding when we're looking at professional athletes, we have to understand that uh, we have to understand that they're obviously in a much different place yeah. than we are, uh, again, athletically or skill and from a skill development side, but, and also from a strength perspective, from a, a force, uh, psychological, yeah, psycho- all the things yeah. are very different, which is true. But then he went on to say, that's why we shouldn't be trying to train like they are, which again is like a half truth, right? Which is saying that, okay, yes, they are very uh, much different and more skilled at something, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be training. And there obviously isn't a ton of crossover with how they're going about how they're training, right? And also to the methodology behind their training, the technique behind their training, the technique behind their skill, right? All of those other things that we're taking in as well, which are all very important uh, that we want to, you know, that are important as well. So there's obviously a ton that we can learn from professional athletes. There's also a ton we can learn from how they train, how they think, how they, um, how not, not, and this is the thing too, we don't have to be doing exactly what they're doing. Right. Right. But there's a lot of uh, methodology or foundation that is something that we should take over into. For sure. And that's something we could dive in there as well is that like fighting, it's so individualized that everybody knows what I need to do to be prepared Mm. for hitting. When we look at like, we'll we'll show up at the ballpark and watch BP, for example. Mm. And I remember watching, um, I think it was Miguel Cabrera. We talked about that the first round, what he likes to do and Mm. all the stuff. And you watch somebody get hopping behind him, maybe it's J.D. Martinez or uh, mm. not J.D. Martinez. Um, the other Martinez on their team, his first round, he's hitting balls out of the park. Mm. And it's not that one way is right or one way is wrong, mm. but we need to find what works for us to get prepared for the game. They're playing the same game. Yeah. But how they prepare and how they train to get ready to play the game, that's something that we can get a little bit like individualized, but yeah. there still are foundational things that they do every yeah. time they take BP. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and that's something, too, to be emphasized there within all of that, right? It's just understanding that... Um, even though we might be doing the same overall arching part of practice, like BP, right? We're right. all taking BP, but what we're doing while we're taking D- BP and what our inf- uh, what what we're um, our intentions are, right? Uh, what our mindset is, what we're trying to feel, um, all of those things can be very different. Obviously, we can do drills. We could all be doing side toss and be doing different drills, right? right? So, so there's some blocked and there's some block practicing there, but also too, obviously, some individualized. Right. Um, and components in there as well. So, yeah. so I think that that's, that's very important. It's important. I mean, when we, one thing when I was coaching at Sterling was I try to place everybody in a box and I think you do need to, to a point of mm-hmm. like, these are things that we're going to do every day and this is what we're going to do at practice. Yeah. But I made it a priority to try to connect with each guy and be like, Hey, this is what I want you to do. But if you want to approach this training session a little bit differently than Joey does, that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Like when we hit off the machine, yeah, Kendall and Shout out to Kendall. I don't think he'd mind if I say this. He'd get really frustrated hitting off the machine. Yeah. Where he'd change his whole thing. Uh, again, to add some context for you guys, Kendall and Bo are our best hitters on the team. Right. And they, again, what I think you're going to dive into is they went about machine work and their thought right. bosses on training completely Very different. Differently. Very differently. It different was to the point other. where sometimes I wouldn't even take a full swing. Yeah. You know, just come trying to simplify everything down. Kendall would kind of overcompensate because he didn't like it. Mm. But in reality, when it came became game time, that got us prepared enough to hit. Mm. So like, and especially on social media, it's hard to fall into the trap because we're looking at these pros. They post one swing, like you mentioned, it might be their last rep. Yeah. And maybe he's a little bit loose and tired and he pulls off and he loses direction. Yeah. And now we're thinking that the whole round went like that. When yeah. in reality, like we caught one moment of one bad swing and now we're 
comparing ourselves to that, saying we train better than him. You, you just need more context with everything. Yeah, and I mean, it's the perfect example too, guys. You got to remember on like social media again. We talked about people like their their highlight tapes, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to think about like the mindset of what gets attention and we get live in this like filtered world where we want to post our best rep, but not any of our struggle reps. Nobody wants to post a lot of their struggle reps. Right. And again, there's some people that end up doing, I remember uh, I used to do that specifically. Um, not everybody was a huge fan, but I would post, uh, I would post when I was coaching out there in Utah, um, our hitters doing some very hard things right. and them struggling. Right. Mm-hmm. And being like, okay, f- solve the problem. Right. And I right. love to kind of do both show them struggling and then also to them getting better towards the end of the session. Maybe right. their third round, they'd be able to figure out, you know, what they're doing or getting very, uh, much better. Right. But in reality, there again, something to keep in mind there is again, a lot of people are getting into, uh, a lot of people are getting into, um, what is they're showing, obviously, uh, them doing their favorite drill or the drill that they're the best at. Right. Or something that they practice for 10 years or 15 years or whatever to get to this point. And so everybody thinks that that's what they need to look like by the end of their session. When in reality, that's not the case. And again, I want to give this a perfect example is that a lot of work that like Mayweather does is boring. Oh, yeah. Boring. He's just he's doing is something he'll sit there and do one, two on a bag. Right. For five, six rounds. And again, and, and that's what the guy gives the example here. Um, for example, he starts talking to do that in the training camp towards the end. That's when you see a lot of this flashy stuff, especially when they know the camera's on. Right. Right. And that's their job is to hype up the fight. Right. For sure. Or again, when they know that the camera's on and for like pro guys, example, I can tell you countless clips where somebody I've seen is, uh, that they're like sitting next to Mike Trout. Right. And the guy is sitting in the cage with his camera, like in the cage, the turtle with him. And it's just like, Hey, I need you to hit a home run here. Right. So again, what he's going to organize to that task. And again, he might spin on a ball and BP or front toss and hit a Jack, but in game time comes, he doesn't even, that's not how he, he, that's not how he hits. Right. I want to paint that in a different picture. For example, let's say this cameras are on. I'm hitting pads. Okay. I'm going to throw a power punch, Superman punch. I throw this big punch, overcommit to it, uh, real heavy on my front side, all of this stuff. And I, boom, I make this large impact. It looks great on camera for when I'm hitting pads. The problem is, is in a fight, if I did that, I'm leaving myself exposed to get knocked out. For sure. Right? So they have to throw punches while also making sure they don't overcommit so that they don't leave themselves exposed for, an, again, a counter punch, a slip, a body shot, a kick to the leg. Again, if you get too heavy on your on your, on your your leg, yeah. as you throw the punch, the guy kicks you in the leg and, again, you can be down for You're the trouble. fight. Yeah. yeah. And you can't protect yourself. Again, if you have a whole bunch of weight on your front leg, you can't pick your leg up to check their kicks. Right? For sure. So all of these things are things we have to keep in mind is that, um, again – you can get away with certain things in comparison dependent on what the situation is. And that's when it comes into affordance. And we've talked about that before, right? But the the, the thing that we want to, I, I want to circle back to is again, okay, as an athlete, what is something that we should take away and things we should take away from how we train when we're going to this specific thing and what he has brought to the table, right? And, and, and that there. So what were your big in, takeaways for you? Like in again, what sense? Like, like what were your takeaways from like how he was talking about training? How did you apply that over to like a baseball? This is how thinking like that and from that perspective, how would I bring that over to my baseball routine? For me, the example that I would say, and I was a tryhard my first two years. A lot of it was we'd done the story with the background of, you know, high school prospect. We need to prove ourselves every single day. In reality, the physical training almost became secondary to the mental training I was getting from the physical training. Mm. So 
he talks about um, like the monotonous of the skill act. It's a completely different sport than baseball. But what I would say is I stopped focusing so much on the fit, what I'm getting physically from the move, but how I'm developing my mental resiliency in the moves. And that allowed me to like work through some of the struggle and the adversity, especially when I was making my swing adjustments because you're going to fail a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know, he talks about that a little bit there, but being able to like, uh, train myself mentally through the physical process. And my routine was a lot different. Like the last year at Sterling, people would ask me if I'm even going to hit today because I would spend the first 15 minutes visual, like visualizing. I'd take one round and I would skip three rounds because it's more, it was more of a mental routine for me getting through that way. Um, and then of course I'd pick my battle. Some days I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more confident. So I'd focus more on the skill acquisition piece. But when people watch me, it was almost probably like, is this guy the best hitter on the team? Because he's training a little bit different than like Jake Shimmons, for example, who was mm. always training very hard. Mm. Um, but I also knew I needed to make some severe swing changes and it took a lot out of me mentally to mm. like feel like I was moving right instead of taking those slow monotonous reps mm. um, or the quick reps. And a lot of people miss that because it's like we need to always be doing something. Coach is watching. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. When in reality, like, just do what you need to do to be able to play. It's all, it's all context. And that's mm. why when I watch people play, instead of saying this guy is not doing his reps right, I'll ask the coach when I was when I was uh, recruiting. I'd say, is he working on adjustments? How come he's doing this at half speed? Why mm. is he doing this at 75%? What's going on here? Because mm. most guys that have a pretty good understanding, like you're saying, we're all experts of what we need to do to get better. Their plan is tailored a little bit differently for each guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, and that's a big piece too, of being like, okay, first off to, again, to give some context again to the term of expert, right? Look, just because you're, uh, again, in this certain level, it doesn't mean that again, that you know all the right. things about hitting and that there's nothing right. else that you could learn and all those things, right? Like first off, experts are still learning every single day, yeah. but we're talking about the field of, again, if you're just looking at the general public compared yeah. to you. You're yeah. more, you're not obviously right. much further closer well, to expert than not. For sure. More, yes. more in the expert sense that like I've been playing baseball since I was five. Now yes. I'm 24. Yes. And more of an expert in understanding that this is what I need to do to get ready to hit. Yeah. And whether they move great or not, that's not what I'm talking about expertise. Correct. I'm talking Correct. the expertise in getting ready to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing yourself. Yeah. Right. And, okay. And then, so I also want to go into the other piece of this, of actually weight room. Yeah. Weight room to skill work, which is a big piece that he's talking about here. Yep. So one of the things that I've talked about this with uh, even Muay Thai now, right? Uh, because again, it's very, um, in, in martial arts, it's, it's very, uh, it takes a lot out of you. Um, it takes a lot out of you to yeah. um, to, to do the fight every day, right? So you got to understand, again, and, and where this comes over, is I want to take both pieces. If I go in the weight room mm. and at get so sore it doesn't care it doesn't matter what part of the year yeah let's say at the beginning part of the year more people are like okay well i'm going to sacrifice some skill gain here to really focus on getting stronger right right but what his argument is here and again when he brings up as well is like the russians and wrestling yeah right what he talks about what he talks about there with the with the russians and wrestling um I'm pretty sure it was the Russians he mentioned the wrestling. But in any case, what he was saying, though, is, again, the reason that they're so much further along in the skill department, right, is that they spend a lot less time. You only need to get so strong. Yeah. You only sure. need to get so strong. Some guys need to get stronger, yes. But at the same time, 
right? At the same time, and yes, is there a foundational strength that I need to be out to be able to do certain things? For sure. Absolutely. But more often than not, again, there's a lot of technique that comes into anything I do. Like for example, let's say this. Let's say you go and you absolutely, and you can, everybody that's listening right now, has done this if you played at this level, right? Especially college sports, right? Because again, uh, strength coaches do it to, all the time. You guys did squats yesterday, yep. right? Your legs are absolutely toasted. Yep. And now you're out here and coach is doing a really technical uh, defensive strategy the next day. My legs ain't moving. Yeah. My feet are dragging. Yeah. We're doing all. We're doing. We're doing certain types of picks, or we're doing something where again, there's a lot of maneuvers within the middle infield, or you yeah. know, again, I'm, I'm fielding short, um, um, slow uh, bunts from yeah. third base. Some, something that takes a lot of skill, right. right? And it takes a lot of coordinated movement to execute, yeah. right? And I can't move my legs, right? Right. Now I'm sacrificing my skill work that day, yeah. right? Because I'm going to compensate. I'm going to, and all these things are going to end up happening because I yeah. can't move fluently. 100%. Right. So, so, yeah. so now again, a lot of times what people would say was just like, Oh, it's part of the process. You just need to grind that out. Right. But in reality, then what happens, right? If you keep doing that every single day, exactly. Now you're taxed. Yep. Right. And you can't play. And that's the context I want to go back and hit on because I should have mentioned that. But what you're talking about there, those days where I maybe only, participated in 50% of the reps was because of that. Yeah. I knew that, look, if I keep on taking this rep with these movement patterns yeah. in the game, when I feel normal, I'm going to do the movement patterns that I have yeah. hardwired into my CNS. Yeah. And so the open line of communication, like, and listen, small colleges, I've coached at them. We played at them. We both have mm. sometimes one guy's doing everything. And yeah. some of those communication lines aren't as uh, efficient as they could be at some bigger schools. Yeah. When I was at Utah Valley, our coach knew what we were lifting every single day. Oh, it's max squat day, and he'd plan accordingly. Yeah. Sometimes at the smaller schools, it's not necessarily that communicated. So we yeah. get put in some um, constraints or positions that didn't necessarily line up with our schedules. Yeah. Um, but Dinkle was very good at understanding and us communicating that, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm sore today. Like, I'm hurting. Yeah. Or my arm's sore. I'm only yeah. going to do 50%. Yeah. But – the line of communication is huge there, especially mm. at small colleges. Like, yeah. if that if if we didn't have that relationship with Dink, and we had a lot of guys in our team that were very athletic, but yeah. the weight room necessarily wasn't their forte. I, yeah. I, I I remember the first week we lifted, a lot of us were kind of like struggling out there and had mm. had to have that communication with Dink that like, hey man, yeah. we need to we need to figure something out here because at yeah. that point you're sacrificing what's really going to help you win games and get better as a player just to yeah. get strong. Yeah. And that's the and that's the thing. Look, uh, the thing that we should isolate here, right, is that is that the the weight room is not my sport. Yeah, it is what I do to get me ready for my sport. For sure. If it makes me not be able to do my sport, yep. for an injury, soreness, anything, yeah, it's a problem. For sure. Right, so that's what something we want to keep in mind. And this is the other thing he talks about. Think of how good. And someone's going to argue, yeah, but again, at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, I hear you. At the beginning of the year, it's okay. I'll sacrifice some of those to get some of those strength gains. But hear me out. This is what I'm saying. It even applies in the weight room. How many days can we work on squat form? Yeah. If my legs are not sore from squatting, mm -hmm. and how many days 
can I get my guys to get back and recovered? It's more about recovery, right? Right, And so that I can be operating at my peaks when I can. Because again, obviously people are talking about, again, you have the, all the old school methods of periodization and all that stuff. He's making this other argument of focusing more on skill work, yeah. right? And yes, I'm still training. I'm still doing strength and conditioning. Again, let's, let's, let's put this out of here. First off, this is George St. Pierre's strength coach. Yeah. Okay. It's not some bum. Right. Okay. This is a world champion, multiple world champion strength coach. Okay. So, all right, let's come a little humble when we we come to this. Okay. Is that he's providing a different perspective that something we can possibly integrate into how we're training players. Right. And how we're preparing them for how we're preparing them for uh, competition and getting them to be ready for the field. One of my coaches, again, he used to hate that. Where I, I mean, I used to do it in junior college all the time because I was all about getting strong, right? right? I'd be squatting my life away, and then we'd be doing outfield drills, and I'm like, dude, my legs are killing me. Sure. And like, I, I can't run sprints that day. Again, imagine this. Now you can't run sprints because your legs are sore. Now you can't do this because this is sore. Yeah, now you can't, again, I can't take as many swings today or I can't swing how I want to or work on the low, you know, the, the skill work that I want to get better with my lower half because my legs are sore, Yeah. right? So it's not that I don't want to work out. It's not that I don't want to get stronger. For sure. It, just because you're not sore doesn't mean you're not getting stronger. Right, 100%. Especially when you take in the CNS system. Again, you can do one rep, two rep, three rep maxes. And again, this is an extreme, uh, uh, extreme thing here, right? But you can do all of those things Right, and you not be crazy sore the next day because again, I would I'd max yeah. all the time and not yeah. be sore. You know what I would get sore, right? And and again, it's all about how your body's put together, right? And again, if I'm a guy that's always doing you know those, those single reps, right. right? And then all of a sudden I do try to do volume, I'm yeah. gonna get really tired, right? Yep. But opposite way too, if someone's used to doing more volume than I am, and then I make them do higher reps, they're also gonna get some sore because of the recruitments. But for sure, again, the point that I'm making here is that you can get more squats in. I used to train my legs. Every time I worked out, mm-hmm. every time I worked out in the weight room, I always trained my legs every single day. And I, and I got, but I got that from, and again, it's weird for me to go work out and not train legs now. Yeah. I got that from, it's so funny, when I was cross training uh-huh. for fighting, yeah. is the trainer I had at the time, every time we went to the gym, we trained legs. And I, we'd ask why, why are we doing legs, right? Mm-hmm. And his answer would be back, well, every day when you fight. You're going to use your legs, right? right? Every day when you fight, every day when you, you use these things every single day, yeah. right? So, but this was the thing though. I wasn't sore as hell the next day, right? Right. We did enough that got me stronger, yeah. right? And pushed it, but, I, but at the same time, not trying to kill myself For every sure. single time that I trained. It, we, we would train my whole body, again, like an athlete. We would train right. my whole body where I could train every single day, yeah. right? because of how I was training. Well, and I think that was a thing that changed my career really was when I started to focus more on the weight room because I was the same way. I'd go in there and I'd bench squat clean and deadlift. I'm trying to get on the 1200 pound club. Trained with the Navy SEAL and first question he asked me was, how many lifts are you doing are functional? How many lifts you're doing are gonna, something that might happen in your game? How Mm -hmm. How many things you're doing will cross over onto the field? Mm. and I wrote it down and I maybe had like two lifts, two workouts throughout the whole time. Mm. And it was in that time I'd torn both my hammies. I, you know, had shoulder problems, I had back problems. And he said, a lot of it's because you're training and you're over recruiting because you don't use a lot of these things in your sport. 
right? Mm -hmm. We think it's good and sexy. I was doing curls for the girls and tries for the guys, and mm -hmm. I looked okay, but it was really in impacting the way I was playing because I wasn't training on anything that I was playing in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that simple thought process of like, is anything I'm doing actually going to influence my play on the field? And yeah. when I started to do that, sure, I maybe wasn't as bulky and cut and clean, but I played a lot better because yeah. now I'm actually yeah. training and there's not, crossover on the field. Not looking like, you know, yet, and, not, and yeah. And I say that a lot of people laugh because I think we're starting to find that more now. There's more like unification in these programs, but there's still a lot of kids out there that don't fully understand or just kind of lifting yeah. by, the, by, by the seat well, of their pants. Well, and, and, and also, too, something to put in here, look, there, it's okay to have indirect transfers. I've been thinking yeah. about this a lot lately, too. It's yeah. it's okay for me to squat, right? right? And then and it's not saying that we should never squat or never for clean sure. or never do any of these things, right? right? It, it's just understanding, it's just understanding, again, uh, the refocusing on I'm trying to play baseball, yeah. not be a beast in the weight room, Right. Yeah. The, the weight room, there's a lot of guys, right, that are not the strongest guys in the weight Again, we had some of our best players on our team weren't yeah. the strongest guys in the weight room, right? Mm -hmm. But when it came to skill work every single day, again, on the opposite end, I was one of the strongest guys yeah. in the weight room. And sure. then I got like 13 ABs, okay? So, yeah. like, that's the thing is, as well is just understanding about where I was spending my time, yeah. right, where I'm spending my time. And it's not to say if I just went out there and hit more that I'd have been good. I don't think that that was the yeah, thing. Right. But my point, my my point there was just it's just understanding. And again, look, it's not the end all be all. Again, this is a technique of training when we're trying to get to a certain place, and then the emphasis is on skill. Yeah. Right. And coordination and all of these things, and that the weight room is seen as important. It is. But not more important than my game of play. Yes. There so need, there needs to be a marriage there. Yeah. The, the on-field performance and getting you on the field, like I think Sheet says 1A, the weight room is 1B, but the 1B is contingent on the 1A. Yeah. Like we should be training, and if we have skill and movement working, and we'll blend that in with the weight room. We'll mm -hmm. say, hey, if we're doing a swing change, we're going to have you do these exercises in the weight room. Yeah. And that needs to be more of the collaboration with the two, where a lot of time there's just disconnect. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So as we start to wrap, as we start to wrap here, like one of the things that we just we, we want to keep all of these things in mind. And again, this is just the start of the conversation. We'll probably end yeah. up doing a part two of like getting some applicable application of how we can organize this. I know if somebody has asked me before how to organize practice hitting and some of that stuff, we're going to create some resources and stuff from that too. But uh, we're just going to we just want to really uh, dive in here. Is that uh, we want to just consider right? Consider how structuring this and how you would integrate this over into your program and some ways that you're thinking about the weight room compared to how you possibly could be thinking about the weight room um, in, the, in the long run, especially when we're focused on skill development, something so highly coordinated, like again, pitching and hitting um, is again, uh, it's so focused on skill. That's why again, guys could be, you know, 40 and out of shape or, you know, again, um, some of these guys uh, are again not the strongest, not the fastest. You get like a guy like Miguel Cabrera or something like that, right? right? And again, he's not your most fleet footed guy. He's not the most in shape guy, you know, but again, there's so much skill into hitting and pitching that those guys can still, still like Bartolo Cologne, right? Yep. So, so just something else for us to consider, um, you know, as we continue to move forward. For sure. All right, guys. Well, from us and our partners, until next time, Farm System out.